we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. We are in part two of this series called The Table. And uh, some of you know this, some of you don't know this, um, but we recently sold this piece of property to a wonderful school named Hopewell. And then we recently purchased, as January, or as uh, Jeannie pointed out, in February, we purchased a, a new property in the heart of Joliet, surrounded by 190,000 people, which I'm excited about. And we are replanting, I say that we are replanting as a new church in the heart of Joliet called The Table. Yeah, you can clap for that. That's okay. You can clap. That's right. And we're excited about this. We're excited about this move. And so we decided over the next four weeks, and we're in week two of this, that we would give, um, we would provide clarity around our mission, and we would continue to cast for you our vision on why we chose this name. So this morning, I want to recap it. For those of you who weren't here last week, we missed you. And for those of you who missed the series up to this point, I want to recap last week for you so you get a better understanding of where we're headed this week. So last week, um, I told you that I had no clue that we were going to end up with his name. In fact, yesterday, we were at a district convention, uh, a lot of good times, you know, a lot of sitting, but a lot of, cel- you know, celebrating too. And uh, they said, Next year, January 4th, at the table, pastors are going to gather to, to share their stories. And Bill came up to me, and he's like, man, that sounds really good. And I said, I'm glad you like it, because I'm still not sold on it. And then I said to him, I said, and he said, really? And I said, really? And, and then he, I just said, hey, but I understand it's not about it's not about my vision. It's really about what God wanted. And, and I told you last week that I was in prayer. We went through every single name that we could possibly think of. And then one day I'm sitting in prayer and God provides this story for me that we shared with you last week. And it was out of that story that we got this name. And so if you weren't here, uh, we find that Jesus walks up to this guy named Levi who is collecting taxes. And do you remember this? He says this. He says, come along with me. Come along with me. And at that point, the scripture tells us and Luke tells us in this narrative that Levi leaves everything on the table and he follows Jesus. And I'm always perplexed because in the church, we're like, man, I wish I had faith like Levi. I wish I could just leave everything. And I just kind of pose this question because I wonder if you wonder if Levi found it difficult to leave everything. You see, the reason why Jesus gives him this invitation to begin with is it's a notion that Levi, you are stuck. And I think it was hard for Levi because he's leaving his lucrative job, he's leaving his career, he's leaving his family, he's leaving, maybe he's putting them in dire straits, they're not even going to have a house to live in anymore. And he's leaving everything, and it's hard to leave everything because it's familiar. And we said last week that whenever we find ourselves in the familiar, we get stuck. In fact, familiarity is a false sense of security. And often when we become familiar with things, we like repetition. We, we like things to be patterned. When we get in those patterns, we stop moving forward. And so when Jesus meets Levi, he says, hey, I want, you to, I want you to come with me. And in this moment, this sort of stuck out. This is our mission. 
that at the table, we are going to guide people into a forward-moving relationship with Jesus. Now, I want you to say that with me, because this week at our leader meeting, I said, hey, what is our mission? And somebody said, something about forward movement. (laughs) It was good. So our mission at the table is to guide people into a forward-moving relationship with Jesus. And there's this reason why we chose these words, forward-moving. Because it really applies to everyone. See, some of you may have been in the church for four minutes. Some of you have been in here for 40 years. And some of us will say, we're Jesus followers. We're Christians. But you're not moving forward. Which makes me want to ask the question, are you following Jesus? Are you really Christian? And I think there's this thing that happens, and we talked about this in the church. Like we, we say yes to Jesus, and we start doing things that lead us to a relationship with him. We start doing things that lead us to God, and over time, those things become God. You ever, you ever think that maybe perhaps your Bible could become God? You ever think that your church could become God? You ever think that programs could become God? And we said, hey, if we were to strip it all away, like Levi, if you were left with nothing, you didn't have family, you didn't have kids, you didn't have church, you didn't have worship, you didn't have anything but Jesus, would that be enough for you? And I'm just, I'm just honest. I don't know that it is. I don't know that Jesus is the most for all of us. And so it's interesting. He says, come along with me. And not only that, but Levi invites him to this huge banquet. I mean, it was a massive, massive party at a giant table. I told our group this morning, it looked like a picnic table on steroids. Massive timbers, lots of drinks everywhere, fine china, food. It was good, good, good stuff. Everybody's gathered around this table. And Levi tells us that there were disreputable characters there. You remember this, people who probably shouldn't be there. But Luke also tells us that in this moment, there was a group that belonged to their sect. If you were here, you remember this, right? There was a specific group of people who were at the party who really didn't like that the disreputable people were at the party. And so they started complaining. In fact, they were upset with Jesus, and so they really wouldn't, they didn't go to Jesus. They went to his disciples, and they say, why in the world, why in the world is he eating with these people? And this group is the Pharisees, the righteous people. And Jesus overhears this, and so he approaches them, and he says, hey, I am here for the unhealthy to get healthy. I am here for those who are sick to change their lives inside and out. And what's interesting is that everybody, disreputable people and people who were the most righteous people were there. All of them being invited to change their lives inside and out. And I said last week, hey, I made a mistake when I first got here. I'll own it as your pastor. I made a huge mistake. I said, hey, we need to be missional and we need to get out in our community and we need to change people's lives. And we, we approached it from the outside in. And what we quickly figured out is that when we are unhealthy personally, we cannot help people on the outside get healthy. And so we said, this is our goal. Jesus invites us at the table and the whole point of the table is that we want it to be a place where you can get healthy. 
The table will be a place where you can get healthy. We may, we may not be able to meet all your physical needs or help you uh, financially or something like that, but we believe that we can help you move forward spiritually with Jesus. So, y'all ready for round two? Okay, enthusiastic. I can hear it this morning. Thank you. <laughs> round two, here we go. Part two of the table. How many of you have ever had an experience in your life where you wish you could pause life and just live there for the rest of your life? Yes, a few of you. Some of you have had that experience. I'm glad it's good and fun for you. All of us have had a moment in our life where we have wanted to hit the pause button and just live there for the rest of our lives. I remember in high school, moving into college, one of my favorite bands was the Dave Matthews Band. Love Dave Matthews. Uh, if you're not familiar with Dave Matthews, uh, his style of music is what we call jazz fusion. So it's like jazz and folky and rock all mixed together. And what I love about Dave is that he is very eccentric and you can't understand a word that he is saying. It's like, like when you hear his music, you're like, this guy had to be high and he's just stringing a bunch of words together. And <laughs> he really was. Uh, that's how he wrote most of his music was high as a kite. And it was good, but I never understood any of it. But I had the chance to go to this amazing concert with one of my friends at U of I. We drove all the way from Ohio. We dropped Janelle off uh, during spring break, and we went down. And I remember, like, walking into this concert realizing, I don't know that I belong here, because you know, the Dave uh, mantra feel is sort of this hippie, earthy vibe. And I'm not necessarily the hippie, earthy kind of person. I'm just sort of more, I don't know, I don't what, eclectic. I don't know what you would call me, but... So I'm walking in with all these people, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, this is going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. A little nervous because I didn't feel like I would fit in, but we get in our row, and you've been at a concert, right? You've gone to a concert. It's dark. You're waiting. There's this anticipation, and then the lights just, you know, and out comes Dave, and he's doing his little Dave shuffle, which is amazing, and everybody's screaming and yelling, and I'm screaming like a little kid. Like, it's just top of my lungs, and he starts his initial song, and we're all singing, and I see these lights start going. This is before we had phones with, you know, flashlights on them, and so we actually used lighters back then, and you push, and you know, fire hazards and stuff like that, but they weren't staying on. It wasn't like everybody was keeping them on, so I asked my buddy, I'm like, what's with all the flickering lights? Was that planned? It was a little smoky, too. He goes, you'll find out in a minute. I've never been to a Dave concert. And sure enough, like five minutes into the concert, something that looks like a cigarette was uh, passed down the row. Everybody's grabbing it and they're putting it in their mouth. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like it wasn't a cigarette. Um, and I'm like, I, you know, I had, I was in the army, we had drill and I really wasn't really interested in participating. And so my friend grabbed it and he passed it down for me. I didn't want to touch it. I'm like, do you understand whose lips have been on that? I mean, what if they have lip herpes or, I mean, and they're all just like, woo, yeah. And it was, I will tell you, a giant party. I mean, even if I wasn't getting high, it was an absolute blast, just singing. It was adrenaline pumping. It was exciting. And I remember, like, we walked out of that place, and I had so much adrenaline. Like, it didn't matter if you were black, if you were white, if you were poor. It didn't matter who you were. We were just there to sing to Dave, our demigod. <laughs> And I remember there was so much adrenaline walking out that it was like one in the morning. We had to drive all the way back to Ohio and I had, you know, drill with my buddy the next morning and it was exhausting, but it was so memorable. It was exciting. 
And I wonder if you've had those moments in your life. Maybe for you it was when you got married. You remember what it was like to stand up here and look at your bride back there. Or maybe you were standing in the doors and you were looking up at your husband. And you were thinking, man, I can't wait for this moment. And you were so filled because your family, your friends, and everybody that you loved were participating in this major day. And it was like, if I could just hit the pause button and stay here. And you know that wedding goes quickly, right? It's like we spent months and months and months of planning only for it to last 15 minutes. But it was amazing. Maybe for some of you, you like to travel and you love to go visit different places in the world. Maybe for you, it's just like, man, exciting, unforgettable, monumental. Maybe for some of you, it was stepping onto a college campus where you no longer had parents telling you what to do. That is freedom. When you get to make choices on your own and nobody has to tell you what to do and you just get to go eat when you want and you get to sleep as much as you want, you can skip class whenever you want. I mean, that's kind of fun, being a rebel, going golfing. I used to golf a lot my senior year, skip class, and, you know, who cared? But it was exciting. And ladies and, and gentlemen, maybe for you it was having a kid. Maybe, maybe for you the most joyful, memorable part of your life was having a kid. And ladies, you're probably saying, no, that was the most painful part of my life. And I do think that's true, that some of our most memorable parts of our lives are painful. That if I were to ask you, what is the most memorable part? What is the most monumental time in your life? It may be a painful, painful memory. And so I wonder if I were to ask you, what is the most monumental part? Would you choose the exciting, celebratory just this adrenaline pumping kind of moment, or would you choose this painful, sorrowful, suffering experience? I think we wrestle with that tension, and, and the reason why I say that is because that's really the tension that we face as a church, not just us as a church, but the overall church, the big C church we talk about is that I wonder often when people walk into a church on a Sunday, is it the most exciting, celebratory, monumental, memorable moment that they've ever had in their lives, or is it just one of the most painful things they've ever done? In fact, I wonder if people looking on the outside in are on the outside because they've been inside in a terrible experience. And so here's the question that I want us to wrestle with this morning. What kind of church do you envision? What kind of church do you want to be part of? I don't care if you're five. I don't care if you're a teenager. I don't care if you're an adult. All of you, in some sense, would love to be part of something. And my question for you when it comes to the table is what do you want to be part of? And so this morning, we're going to get to some scripture. I know you're all like, when's he going to get to that? It'll be at the end. I'm just letting you know. But I'm only giving you two, two verses today because they're the most important two verses of what defines church. And so we're going to look at something written by Luke. And many of you know Luke was a, a, a guy who questioned the life of Jesus. He discovers the life of Jesus, meets a lot of people, writes an account of Jesus's life. But this is what's interesting is he realizes that Jesus's life is so impressive. It is so impressive that his biggest fear is that people would become bystanders. That over time, when they looked at all the miracles that Jesus did and every, you know, his resurrection, his life, everything he did on the cross, people would look at him and they would just say, wow. And they would sit on the sidelines and they'd sit on the pews and they'd sit in the chairs and they would never participate in God's continued story. 
This was Luke's biggest fear. And so he writes a sequel to his story in the life account of Jesus. And he begins to tell us about the people who followed Jesus and what happened in their lives following the life of Jesus. Because he believed that God was at work in their lives using them. That God was in the midst of action and doing things. And, and so Luke records it and it's called the book of Acts. Looking for God's action in the world. And so I want to catch you up this morning because before we get to how the church looked in that day, and some of you think you know where I'm going, but you don't know, trust me. There's an amazing story. Jesus preached the kingdom for three years. He made a lot of people upset, the Roman Empire, and of course, even the Jews themselves, the people that he was serving, and they crucified him. He was dead. We know that he was raised to life. And after that, after that, for 40 days, he spent time with followers. He spent time in the upper room, and a lot of that time, Luke tells us, was gathered around a table where Jesus would give his final instructions. He would give his marching orders to the people that were following him. And this is so interesting. Jesus says to them, I need you to stay in Jerusalem because there's something that my father wants to give you that I'm promising you, but I just need you to stay here. And they're like, what thing? And wait, what happened to the harvest is plentiful and we're going to change the world and forget Rome and all that stuff. Like you just want us to sit in a room and wait? Jesus says, yeah. What is this thing? Well, it's called the spirit. And they're like, what's a spirit? And it's funny, 2,000 years later, we're still trying to figure out what spirit and Holy Spirit means. But God says, hey, you'll know. You'll just know. So they go back to the upper room. Jesus leaves. They go back to the upper room and they're praying, which is amazing because Luke tells us that the women were included. And you know that the women show up. Stuff's going to get done. <laughs> Don't ever leave it to the men to do it. But the women are praying with, with, with this group of believers and they're all together. And I believe that prayer is the act that precedes the power and the movement of the spirit. That without prayer, that won't happen. And so they know this and they're praying, but they're also playing a fun game called draw the straw. You ever played this game before? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Well, they had a contestant show. We had to fill the seat of Judas. Judas, the guy who betrayed Jesus, bought a farm, spilled his belly out, his guts out all over the farm. It's haunted. Nobody ever lives there anymore. We'll talk about him next week. But they're trying to fill his seat. And so they play this game where like, hey, you may be it, you may be it. Let's just draw straws. We'll figure it out. And in the middle of playing this awesome game, draw the straws, a it tells us a gale force wind showed up. Like if you were to put yourself in a wind tunnel, this is what it looked like. You know, hair flying everywhere. You know, I, I love the people who in storms are trying to reach forward and walk and they're getting blown back. This is the kind of force that took storm, this upper room. And people started just randomly celebrating Jesus and celebrating what God was doing. And people from all over the world are speaking in their own language. It would be kind of like you would have the ability to interpret everybody's two-year-old. You know this, right? You, you, you understand your two-year-old, but when some other two-year-old talks to you, you're looking at their parents like, I have no clue what they said. Could you tell me? And so in this moment, this wind comes in and, every, and no parents needed. Everybody understands everybody. And there are people on the outside looking in saying, these people are lunatics. In fact, the spirit is here, but you, you know, a, a different kind of spirit, you know. 
And so Peter, the leader, the new leader, gets up and he says, hey, listen, these people aren't drunk. I know they look like it, but they're not. And he says, I just want to remind you just one minute, those of you that are kind of judging us and looking at us like we're goofy and weird. Do you remember when you shaded on and hated on this guy? And not only that, but then you pinned him to a cross. May I remind you that you were the one that crucified this guy? And then he was resurrected from the dead. Well, guess what? He came back to the dead for you and for your brokenness. And Peter says what Jesus says, and he says, your life can be changed inside and out. That your life can be changed inside and out. And that you can make a difference in the world. And what's interesting, what's interesting is this movement begins to happen. Hang with me here now. Where people on the inside find Jesus and they go out to the outside to bring people in to meet Jesus. And when they meet Jesus, their inside is changed. And then they move out to the outside to bring those people in. And we have this inside, outside, inside, inside, outside kind of movement. And it looks a lot like breathing. In. funny that the same word for breath is spirit. That a movement of the Holy Spirit changed people's lives inside in such a way that they would bring people on the outside in to be changed on the inside who bring people on the outside back in. You get this? A movement of the Holy Spirit happened and 3,000 people were added that day. In one day. Because the Spirit showed up. And after Luke tells us all of that, he gives us a snapshot of what happens next. And interestingly, we know that Christians started gathering. They devoted themselves to prayer and the breaking of bread, and they were praising God, and there was this whole social justice movement taking place where everybody was sharing everything that they had, and they were selling. We know all that, and we focus on those things. Like, we should just sell everything we have, and, you know, we should go back to the old. By the way, may I remind you that the early church, they were persecuted. If you want to go back to that, sure, you go ahead. I'm not. And then this is how Luke ends the entire Story. Here's what he says. They followed a daily discipline of worship. Now, before I move forward, I just want you to know at the table, we're going to have three practices and that's it. It's gather, grow, and get out. Gather, grow, get out. That's for another day, but I'm just letting you know ahead of time and you'll find it in this text here. We're going to gather weekly. We're going to celebrate what God's doing. We're going to grow spiritually and we're going to get out. We're going to go inside and out and bring the outside in. You with me? So daily, you think showing up to church twice a month is hard? Imagine doing it every single day. Daily, they gave their lives to the discipline of worship. And then watch what happens after this. After they had gathered for worship, it was followed by meals. And can you clue me in, where do meals take place? The table. Oh, my goodness. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. <laughs> it's, a, it's an epiphany. 
Meals take place at the table. And then Luke tells us something so important. Here's what he says. These were meals of what? Celebration. Exuberant and joyful. As they praised God and the work, the acts, the continued work of what Jesus was doing. Leave that up there, Ron. I want everybody to see this. They were gathered around the table, and there was celebration. They were exuberant. They were joyful, and they were praising God. Yes, you, yes, please. Somebody say something. And next thing you know, watch what happens. People in general... I love how Luke says that. People in general. In other words, people who live an average, familiar, maybe even boring, stuck, non-vibrant life, they liked what they saw from the outside in. And it was so joyful, so exuberant, so memorable. It was like a Dave Matthews concert. We were passing around the communion cup. <laughs> everybody belongs. Everybody participates. And they saw from the outside something on the inside that they wanted to be part of. And listen to what Luke tells us. He says, every day their number grew as God added to those who were saved. What kind of church do you envision? What kind of church do you envision? I mean, I'm not, we don't need to own up where we are right now. We already know that. So I'm not going to beat you over the head. But I'm going to tell you that we as a church have a history of joyful, exuberant, celebratory, exciting, church-filled, spirit-filled kind of movement. You see, we started with a small group of people who said, we think a new work needs to take place in Joliet. And so they started a church and they quickly outgrew that building and outgrew that building and outgrew that building because people were excited. They were exuberant. They were joyful because God had changed their lives and they were being, bringing people on the outside in. People in general in Joliet liked what they saw and they started coming and their number grew day after day after day after day. In fact, in fact, in a news article that, that was posted, this is how our church was described. Try Joliet's most exciting church. Try Joliet, just try it. I mean, you will be so high when you leave here, you'll want to come back for more. Try Joliet's most exciting church. I, I want that again. I want to harness that. I want the table to be part of that. In fact, when I show up every Sunday, I'm convinced that I'm going to start asking you every single day, what are you celebrating? Not how are you, because you'll say, life sucks, you know, something's wrong with me, I don't like this. No, what can you celebrate today? Maybe we should start the conversation right there. And so here's what I envision. And this is our vision as we move forward as the table. We envision a joyful exuberant Jesus party where everyone belongs. You remember this from last week. Everyone belongs 
whether you've been here for four minutes or 40 years, whether you're not a Christian or you've been a Christian your entire life. Everyone belongs. We all want to move forward. But every week as we show up and as we gather together, it will be a joyful, exuberant Jesus party because God is changing lives. The other day we had district assembly and uh, there was a story about our district superintendent who, this guy's crazy. You go out to lunch with him, you like sort of want to do one of these numbers. He will say to the waiter or waitress, hey, I'm a Jesus follower, how can I pray for you? And it's like, oh no, not him, you know? And yesterday uh, he was at Baker Square and he asked this lady that question. He just said, hey, I'm a Jesus follower. How can I pray for you before I eat my lunch? And she said, well, my son's an addict. He's been on drugs for most of his life. Uh, I feel like my life is just absolutely empty and miserable. And yeah, that's it. So he prays for her. And over time, he develops a relationship. They get connected. She starts going to gathering point. Her son who was addicted to drugs starts going to celebrate recovery. And, and over a course of a year, he's no longer addicted. And he was baptized last week. And what's crazy is this lady, this lady is she, yeah, you can clap for it. This lady is sharing her story. And I remember sitting there in those hard pews at College Church and my tushy was hurting. And I'm like, we've been here for three hours. I'm ready to move on. But I remember sitting there waiting, anticipating for this story to get over with, not because it wasn't a great story, but because I just wanted to do this, you know? Yes, yes, woo! And everybody, jumped up and they were clapping for this lady because her son was baptized last week and he was standing there a new man because Jesus had changed his life. And I wanna tell you, those stories aren't just in other churches, but last week in my office, I had a lady who over the course of Explore God said, I don't believe in God, I'm angry at God, I don't like church. She sat in my office last week and she gave her life to Jesus. She said, you know what she said? She said, I don't know what prayer to pray. She just said, I believe. So you don't have to say a prayer. You just have to say what Jesus says. And all he says is you have to believe. And she said, well, I believe. And we celebrate that. Exuberant, joyful. This is a Jesus party. And I, when we get to the table, every time somebody gives their life to Christ, I want to throw a massive party. I want every Sunday to feel like Easter. So my question is this, can you get on board with that vision? Come on, y'all look at me. Can you get on board? Can you get on board? My students, can you guys get on board with that? Yeah, I'm talking to you too. Because I believe that you guys can change the future. I truly believe that. So here's what I want you to do this week. We have a practice every week. And if you were here last week, you remember that we said, we want you to remember how messed up you are, how broken you are. Just spend five minutes in your 15 minutes with God sitting at his feet, just remember how jacked up you are. And so over the course of the week, I hope you felt really bad about yourself. <laughs> and the reason why I want you to feel bad about yourself is because this week you get to remember what you can celebrate. And so here's what I want you to do. This is my wife's school shirt which she wears like every other day and kids puke on her and they bite her and they spit at her and they hit her and um, she works at an amazing school. 
but they give these shirts out at the beginning of the year and I find it funny that people on the outside get it more than we get it on the inside and on the back it says choose joy choose joy I, I love those words choose joy because most of us are not predisposed to be joyful people. I don't know if you know this, but we have a bend. We have an inclination to be negative, to see the glass half empty. Like when people ask you how you're doing, I've been finding myself just saying, I'm, I'm okay. But I realize that it's a choice that I have to make. I'm not naturally gonna feel joyful about my life. So here's what I want you to do. I want you this week to choose joy. And it starts by celebrating what God has done in you. The reason why we told you to remember how messed up you are is so that way this week you can say, I'm no longer that person. I know that's who you think I am, but I'm not. God has made me new. He has redeemed me from the, from the pits. He has made my life whole. I'm following him and I'm gonna continue the story of God because it has changed me. So I'm, I'm giving you permission this week to throw a party. So if you wanna go, you know, invite people over for dinner or you wanna go out to ice cream, I'm sounding kinda of old, like when you just invite people over for dinner and you just go off, that's not much of a party. But listen, I can't throw a kegger either. <laughs> so I don't know what that looks like for you, but this week, this week, I want you to party in some way. Invite some friends over and just share your story. Say, hey, I'm celebrating because God has changed my life. And if it's with other Christians, great. If it's with people who don't know Jesus, great. I just want you to celebrate this week and let that feeling and let that emotion become the drive in your life. Because at the table, we envision an exuberant, joyful Jesus party where you belong, I belong, and those on the outside looking in belong. Let's pray.